0: The thing that's lost about Rupert is, um, he loves the game, you know? I mean, it drives him. It's keeping him, you know, he's probably in better shape than I am.
1: Hello, and welcome to The Interview. I'm Ada McLaughlin, the editor-in-chief of MediaEye. My guest this week is Jim Rutenberg, writer-at-large for the New York Times and the Sunday Magazine. Jim is the co-author, along with Jonathan Mahler, of a 20,000-word investigation published in the Times Magazine in 2019, that took an unprecedented look at the media empire of Rupert Murdoch. That report was turned into a documentary, The Murdoch's Empire of Influence, which is now airing Sundays at 9 p.m. on CNN. Jim and Jonathan served as consulting producers on the doc. I called up Jim to discuss the future of the Murdoch empire, how the family handles the profit and controversy machine that is Fox News, and how the documentary came to life. Jim, thanks so much for joining me. All right. Thanks for having me. So the documentary is brilliant, by the way. Uh, It's a fascinating and fair, I would say, look at the rise of the Murdoch empire, which is arguably the most powerful media empire in the world. And it's based on this massive New York Times Magazine cover story that you and Jonathan Mahler worked on for six months and that involved interviews with more than 150 people. What was the genesis for that story? How did you get the idea to, to cover something like that?
0: Well, you know, to be fair, I hate to do it. It pains me to do it. I will credit editors. Oh, uh, yeah. What are you going to do? But they, but they did. There was an editor request. Hey, you know, Fox News um, and the Trump White House at that point, if you can remember, were really melded in this way that we would never seen, at least in terms of television in, the, in, in, in this country. Uh, it was sort of a throwback to the old partisan press, but on TV, it's just a much more powerful medium. And so they asked us to do, look into that story and, and that was an important story at the time, but it was getting covered, you know, elsewhere, but it was, a, you know, we were happy to move forward and look at that. And, but as we did our reporting, we started stumbling on what we thought was a a new, different Um, And equally or maybe more important story, which was the fight within the family over the future of this empire that had that was uh, sort of buffeting politics, not just in the US, but in Australia, in the UK, really elsewhere. Um, And once you're affecting those three democracies, you're affecting the whole world. So uh, and at the same time, you had this really... incredible family drama. So uh, it it had all these elements. So we proposed a shift in gears and our editors uh, went along with us.
1: The series in The Times opens with the serious fall that Rupert Murdoch had on his eldest son, Lachlan's very large yacht in the Caribbean. And at the time, the kids who have always been sort of pitted against each other as potential heirs to the family empire were told that this could be it for for Rupert. What happened next? So that's a very dramatic uh, moment. And uh,
0: it was kind of the first thing we learned where we're like, wow, because uh, I covered media at the time. And, and we heard that oh, there was something happened with Rupert. He might be a little bit out of commission. And then he released a statement that there had been a sailing accident. But uh, we learned that it wasn't really a sailing accident. It was a sleeping accident or a bathroom accident because he, he was on his son's boat. yacht. I, I don't know. It's that big. What do you call ship ship? <laughs> um, and, I think sloop and is how you described it. Sloop in the sloop zombie, and he, uh, and even a very large sailing vessel uh, has tight quarters. And he tripped and fell on the way to the bathroom, and and it was a serious spinal injury. And yes, he he when he's airlifted to the hospital, uh, the procedure to treat him is is potentially could kill him, and they think that there's a good chance he could die. And and the children are summoned by his. Uh, wife at the time Jerry Hall you have to come and make peace with your father this might be it and it's like right out of that opening scene for the show Succession on HBO if your listeners they probably have watched that where the, the the patriarch of the media family is having a heart attack at the opening of that scene that show and but it's that dramatic and now it's this moment where decades of maneuvering between the children to take over the empire sort of at a jump ball moment.
1: Now, Lachlan appears, at least in the last few years, to have taken on that position as heir apparent. He was named chief executive of Fox Corporation after the sale of 21st Century Fox to Disney. And James has apparently kind of left the family business and is doing other things. What's the state of play among the Murdoch kids now?
0: So as I understand it, uh, first of all, yes, Lachlan is Rupert Murdoch's chosen heir apparent. Um, and uh, that's that part is, in, is, is indisputable now. That's sort of been settled. Nothing will change that dynamic, I don't think. You mm-hmm. never know with this family, but Rupert Murdoch is now 91. Um, so he's made his choice. That said, he has set up the company in such a way that when he dies, each of his four kind of eldest children... Uh, will have to fight it out amongst themselves for who really takes over the whole company. So, uh, and as we understand the current state of play, uh, Lachlan, the direction Loch in which Lachlan is taking the company and Fox News for now uh, is is not in line with the view of the other, his siblings. And so you could conceive of a n- new power struggle to the extent that
1: the others would be interested in mounting one. James recently popped up in the news. He was holding a fundraiser for Biden at his home uh, last week. Do you have any idea what Fox News would look like under a James Murdoch leadership? I mean, I imagine it'd be a drastically different direction from the leadership it's been, go- the, the direction it's been going under Lachlan. It's interesting you say that because,
0: well, first of all, yes, but there has been a uh, You know, some time has passed. So when we were working on our story, uh, as we understood it, what James Murdoch would have proposed for for the company was not an abandonment of its center right, right leanings. That was always the market for that network. James did not disagree with that positioning. That's where its audience is. So he's not, was never going to propose abandoning their audience. But as we understood it, James, James's view was, but Bring it back into sort of some of the traditional rules of journalism, i.e., opinion hosts opinions can't be about factual matters that don't that its own newsroom can't support, uh, and you know I don't he doesn't like some of the populism as we understand it. Now that was then, and so the argument during our reporting was James wasn't proposing a wholesale change in the network, just as sort of a, gr- a grounding in in traditional journalism, uh, or more of traditional journalism's rules. I don't know now where he would take it because at that time, I would have been surprised, that maybe surprised that he would hold a fundraiser for, for the Democratic president. So maybe now he would take it even in a little bit of a different direction, but he's still a businessman and understands where its market is.
1: That way the network has operated, at least on the news side, where it has conservative programming, but it's reined in a little bit. That sounds kind of like the way the network operated under Roger Ailes, who was the former president before Suzanne Scott. I I really feel like Fox's coverage of the 2020 election was a real turning point for the network. For example, I had a Fox host on this show last year, Pete Hegseth, and he he started shouting at me when I asked him who won the 2020 election, months after Joe Biden had been in office. So that strain of reality denialism is alive at well at Fox to this day. Do you think that Roger Ailes would have tolerated that kind of coverage and What do you make of the leadership at Fox News today and and what they're dealing with on air?
0: Well, it depends on which iteration of Roger Ailes we're talking about. Because in the very beginning, Roger Ailes saw Fox as needing a very um, traditional news arm to give it legitimacy and credibility. And that was very important. And their, their saying was fair and balanced. So we are the true journalism. In the later years, the networks dropped fair and balanced, as it's saying. And it did it was becoming more partisan under Ailes as Ailes became more sort of dug in. He we there was a scandal that that was brewing before we all learned about it. Uh, we understand now that Roger was worried about things getting out that that could really jeopardize him within the company. So he started kind of dropping some of his earlier insistence. So the network was already going in this direction. Um, The Roger Ailes, who I first covered starting in 1999, never believed that any politician should be bigger than Fox news. Any person should be bigger than Fox news, including on his own staff. When Roger uh, is forced out of the company in a sexual harassment scandal And the company first falls under Rupert Murdoch's leadership. Now he's very elderly, but Rupert gets involved. We see it really drift even farther away to a sort of um, big personalities are kind of freer to do their thing, whichever direction they want to go in. At the same time, um, when Lachlan comes in, he sort of champions this streaming network, Fox Nation, which is sort of some of the um, most... Right-leaning, forward-leaning Fox opinion uh, into even even into uh, a far even less shackled to sort of traditions of the newsroom versions online Fox Nation. So it really has gone really far from what it started as in terms of Roger Ales's initial
1: uh, network. One of those figures that I think most people see as bigger than Fox News at this point is Tucker Carlson. And as someone who covers Fox, the question I get masked more than any is why isn't the network doing anything about Tucker Carlson? How would you answer that? You know, I
0: have to say that for me, as someone who's watched them for so long, I am at times surprised that Tucker and all their personalities don't get pulled back sometimes again, because I was around when Sean Hannity... Uh, this is now a well-known story, but that Sean Hannity uh, kind of partook too directly in a big uh, Tea Party event, and Roger made him kind of turn around and fly back to New York to not because he, it was just a bridge too far. Uh, I think now it it is a place where the big personalities are. They're getting the ratings. They're getting. The revenues and, um, you know, like maybe in Tucker's case, I guess that we should put an asterisk there because there's been some advertising issues over some of the boycotting, et cetera, and protests. But uh, it just seems like the network wants to give people a little more room. I could say that's under Suzanne Scott. I could say that's, you know, under the Murdochs without her nails in there. Um, But, you know, there's this maybe we'll get into this, but there's a defamation case coming up against the network. Um, involving some of the 2020 coverage, and that could impose some limits that have seemed to be lacking.
1: Yeah, I did want to ask you about that. The network's facing two multi-billion dollar defamation lawsuits from voting tech companies over false claims that Fox aired that these companies helped steal the 2020 election from Donald Trump. How scared do you think Murdoch and executives at Fox are of these lawsuits? Do they see them as a serious threat to the network?
0: You know, I can only speak to what I, I see, right, mm. um, and what they say. And they they say they're not – they seem to be saying they're not worried. Um, and they're, they're saying that, you know, the press is protected in this country, et cetera. There are strong protections in place. Did they cross a line is the question. So whatever they say, it seems like this thing continues to move forward without some sort of settlement – and that would kind of potentially expose internal emails that, frankly, no news organization ever wants uh, exposed, but, you know, some of that will be out for them. And, and if there's some sort of losing result here, I'm sure they'll appeal, right? Because this will be a major, very important press case. But maybe you'll see a little bit uh, more, let's say, restraint among some of the more um,
1: forward-leaning uh, personalities. Going back to Tucker Carlson, there's there's been a lot of reporting about his relationship with the Murdoch family, specifically with Lachlan Murdoch. Did you come across any of that in your reporting into the family about their relationship between them and their top-rated host?
0: I will say at the time, and I want to emphasize at the time of the last reporting I really did for this piece, uh, they were pretty. The Murdochs were pretty high on on um, on Tucker Carlson. Uh, he was smart he was different. He, uh, they liked, as I understood it, the unpredictability of his show at the time, um, vis-a-vis, you know, someone like Hannity, where you sort of knew what talking point he was going to be on that the day, be- you know, in the hours before his show. Um, and I understood at the time too, that Lachlan was very high on Tucker. Uh, and, and I also understood that Tucker sort of saw that as licensed to do as he pleased. Uh, I not I don't know what the state of the art of that is right now, other than Tucker continues to do as he pleases, but I don't know what
1: the state of the art is. I do remember thinking, wondering what Rupert Murdoch would have thought about some of the more extreme commentary on Tucker's show, whether it was the Patriot Purge documentary that aired on Fox Nation you know, when he was using conspiracy theories to attack vaccines and Rupert Murdoch was first in line for, for the vaccines. I think that raised a lot of questions among viewers as to whether or not Rupert would have stepped in and said anything. Did did anything from, you know, obviously Rupert Murdoch has an extensive history of empire building across several countries. To what extent in your reporting do you see that he has been willing to sort of step in and direct coverage perhaps reign in different hosts at, whether it's his papers in Sydney, in the UK, in the United States. Does he, how hands-on is he? It's funny because there's a dichotomy to Rupert Murdoch. On the one
0: hand, from the very earliest days of his career, he was known to really love getting into the sort of old, what we used to call the old composing rooms of his print papers and Mm. rolling up his sleeves and working on headlines and layout and certainly cared about certain types of stories and that Rupert Murdoch, I think, will always be in there. That said, there's a second part of Rupert Murdoch that's gotten him at times into serious trouble. And that is the sort of leadership style of, a, of a you know, the captain of a pirate ship, it's been called, where he loves kind of letting his pirates run loose. And he doesn't love to rein people in as long as they're delivering the results And in Rupert Murdoch's world, the results are bottom line dollars and cents and circulation and ratings that he's given his people a lot of leeway. And that at times has gotten him into a lot of trouble. Uh, I'm thinking about, obviously, uh, the British tabloid hacking scandal, where some of his editors took extreme license in using private detectives to hack into the voicemail systems of people in the news, celebrities, member of the royal family, and and in their undoing,
1: near undoing, uh, a, a young girl who went missing and was found dead. I think that explanation goes a long way to to explain why Tucker Carlson would not be reined in, because he's a host who's hitting three and a half million viewers a night on Fox News. Fox News's profits, despite ad boycotts, are $2 billion a year. It would make sense that Murdoch would say, "Look, the the results are there. This is working."
0: Well, it kind of goes back to uh, 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 James again, and, and something we had in our story, and we talk about in the documentary, is that when Roger Ailes is out, uh, James Murdoch sees an opportunity to draw the network, you know, back closer to center, and uh, when this, and he actually sets upon a potential uh, successor to Ailes. Um, from uh, someone from CBS News who had formerly served uh, at Fox News, David Rhodes, and the, and it, it's just dismissed out of hand by Rupert and Lachlan, who were told their answer is, "Why would you change this? The ratings are great; they've never been better." And mind you, this is at the height of sort of the Trump era, when just as the network and Trump are really kind of melding together, and you know, causing some PR headaches for the network itself,
1: despite. James' is a sort of new career path. If, let's say, Rupert Murdoch passes tomorrow, you know, the first thing I'll do is I'll pray for my friends at the New York Post. But just looking at Fox, do you think there's a chance that James comes back into the fold? Do you think he'll be tempted by, I suppose, the battle that Rupert has set up between his kids once he passes?
0: Yeah. It's an interesting question. I'll start by saying that there, when James, when Lachlan won succession, and you'll see this play out in the documentary in the future episodes, uh, in James's view, the company had become much smaller. Uh, if your listeners will recall, Rupert makes a major deal where he sells off a a big part of the company to Disney. It's, it's a lot it's powerful entertainment arms, it's studios. And, uh, So to James, it's sort of, you know, that's where he sort of saw part of the important future for the company. So he's sort of like the the way he spins it to friends or not spins it. Maybe he really views it this way. is This is a much smaller company. It's a political project. I'm not interested. And he leads, as we report, he leads a push within the family that, hey, if Lachlan's won, why don't we just let him buy us out of the trust? Us being James and his two sisters, Prudence and Elizabeth. Why don't we just Lachlan buys us out, and we can all wash our hands of this? Uh, would have cost Lachlan billions and millions of dollars. Lachlan does, as we understand it, go down the road of doing this, um, but changes his mind uh, at the last minute. Uh, and Rupert had supported this too, so that leaves us in our current in the current climate of James and his sisters can move in, and James may very well want to have more say in Fox. If he views Fox as kind of continuing to go down a path that he, as he's sort of publicly hinted or said outright, you know, that when the properties undercut what he thinks, what he says, uh, uh the, the irrefutable science about man-made climate change, um, when he sees it as a threat to democracy, he and his, he and his wife, uh, Catherine Murdoch are working towards sort of shoring up the the democratic institutions with a sort of more centrist pro voting take. So you could see him stepping in. um, But there's also the side of James
1: that wanted to wash his hands of the whole thing when Lachlan gets what's left of the company. So it's interesting. We have two forces, James Murdoch and these lawsuits from... Voting systems companies that could force moderation on Fox News. And that'll be interesting to follow. Uh, What's going on with Elizabeth, Murdoch's eldest, who many people see as the most like Rupert himself and highly intelligent?
0: Well, Elizabeth uh, has charted her own path. Uh, She had started the production company Shine, um, which was very successful. Now, Elizabeth has started a new company called Sister. Uh, and it's what the name would would sort of telegraph—a a very sort of women-led, women-run production company that's not just doing uh, scripted, but also uh, some non-scripted work. And she okay. is has been described as, you know, one of the best sort of content person in the in, among the children. Mm-hmm. I mean, and 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 very cunning and savvy,
1: just like her father. So. Elizabeth is definitely a force to be reckoned with. How would you describe Murdoch's relationship with Trump? It's a very complex one that goes back decades, and you've sort of had a front row seat to that throughout the years.
0: Yeah, including when I worked at the New York Post, when Rupert was buying, re-buying it in the early 90s. Um, Trump was, to Murdoch initially, content, mm. right? and And a fun person, you know, just sort of, just exactly the kind of figure that the, that makes the New York Post a readable paper, right? In Murdoch's view, just funny, rich, a regular, you know, uh, producer of gossip, and uh, so that's how he understood him. When, as you'll see in the documentary, when Trump is going to decide to run now Rupert's like, okay, that's not, yeah, that's not happening. And he's almost in disbelief. And when uh, he realizes that Trump is going to run, he's fairly public about his resistance to this idea for his Republican Party. I mean, Rupert's version of the Republican Party at the time was the sort of chamber of commerce version of the Republican Party. Uh, a, a, a good, a liberalized... Uh, within reason, immigration system, free trade across borders, um, all within reason, all as as a conservatives take, not a liberals take. So Trump is everything that that Rupert Murdoch has been against, and and there's a lot of leeway given to people at the in the Fox News newsroom, for instance, to be tough on Trump, as Megan Kelly was for a long time. And There was a spectacle of Roger Ailes sort of publicly sparring with Trump when Trump would complain about his coverage. When Trump gets the nomination, we see a pattern that I've seen again and again watching Murdoch and and his news outlets, especially Fox News, is that now it's a different game. The Republican nomination is set and Rupert tends to push the people he can push home to get behind that uh that the, the Republican nominee. And so there's a hard turn. And there was a lot of coverage at the time uh analysts who were be- now known as Never Trump saying they're, you know, apparently getting the squeeze um and you know a full kind of turn behind Trump and then when Trump's the president it's like a complete symbiosis. Interestingly now we're seeing a return to Rupert Murdoch being more resistant to Trump, not loving
1: the idea or opposing
0: the idea of a Trump presidency, along with
1: Lachlan. Fox News overall remains pretty firmly pro-Trump in much of its coverage. But Murdoch's papers, the New York Post and the Wall Street Journal, they've smacked around Trump in a few major op-eds lately. I've read a, in a lot of places people saying the Wall Street Journal and the New York Post would not be able to write this op-ed without the sign-off from Rupert Murdoch. What What do you make of that?
0: I agree with that. I mean, that's definitely true. And not just Rupert, but, but, uh, you know, I understand that that Lachlan's right there with him. Um, And DeSantis, basically everything I'm hearing is that that what you see, what you think you're seeing is what you're seeing, which is, yes, DeSantis is getting more airtime. That's a person they could, you know, get behind. Um, And, you know, when you see, you know, I just mentioned that when there was a cozying period with Trump, and uh, the Murdoch properties. There were complaints that these uh, contra- these anti-Trump Republican analysts were getting squeezed out. Well, now we're seeing some of those analysts, Carl Rove, recently, really um, coming out against you know Trump or or not sharing the Trump viewpoint on things like the investigation into uh, the old materials that were found at Mar-a-Lago. So, uh, everything I'm told is it's what you see is what you get. There, right. That said, the. Fox News audience, unlike let's say the Journal audience, it has tended to really like Trump, and so the the constant tension, even in the Trump years when he was in office, was between the audiences, the ba- which is the base of the party, the audiences' uh, love for Trump
1: and any Murdochian uh, wish for some distance from Trump or or a vanquishment of Trump. Right. It remains the case that if you criticize Trump on Fox News, you're going to get a drop in the minute by minute ratings, which is a powerful incentive for any cable news network. I want to talk about the behind the scenes of the documentary. What was the process like of taking that story that you and Jonathan Mahler wrote from the pages of the Times Magazine and turning it into a documentary that now is airing on CNN?
0: Well, so first, I I, thank you for that question, because it gives me an opportunity to say that, you know, we were not we were was, our story was optioned by CNN, um, so we're consulting producers. We had some say, but uh, it wasn't like we weren't driving the direction of the thing of the mm-hmm. of the of the final product. Uh, there was a great production company called Left Right Films. They worked with CNN and with us chiming in a lot. Um, and they, I have to say that they they saw the story and they smartly said because our story doesn't take you all the way back to. Rupert in the London newspaper strike, which this series does, or the early that we do some of Rupert's early days, but they did much more. They just said, Hey, there's all this cool stuff to know about this one man who has had this much effect across the globe, which really is <laughs> a ma- to this day covering him for 25 years, it still stuns me what one person can do. Right. And um, so we but we were sort of chiming in all along and um it was a totally different process for us archival footage is foreign to us and you know the storytelling was uh, a whole different approach so it was very interesting from our standpoint
1: you tried to get access I imagine to the Murdoch family for both the story and for the documentary how did you go about that and did you ever think that there was a chance that they would sit down with you that one of the members of the family would participate
0: you know when we were writing that
1: the magazine piece the whole way we were able to do it was because
0: we come along we, we could get the thinking of the major players, which isn't always easy to get. I mean, I've spent a lot of the last 25 years trying to get that thinking and failing Yeah. Um, really like hard. So this was the, the magazine piece was the first time that, that I ever really broke through. And um, it was because we came around at a time when the family was splitting up and, and the different factions kind of were interested in seeing their stories out there through proxies, et cetera. I thought for the documentary, there would be some chance that maybe some of them, I didn't think Lachlan would cooperate. I didn't think Rupert would cooperate. I wondered if any of the other siblings might, but I knew that it would depend on, was it in their interest within the family dynamic? I was hopeful that maybe th- we, the timing was right, but it's there's nothing we're going to say to convince them. There's no persuading here. These are like really savvy, the most savvy media people in the world. And they're only going to do it if it serves their interest. So I knew that maybe I was hoping maybe one of them, two of them, all of them would see
1: some interest in playing along. Were the Murdoch's and Fox News, were they a particularly hard subject to report on? I'm thinking back to the Ailes days when, you know, Gabriel Sherman had private investigators tracking him when he was writing a book about Roger Ailes. Was it, does that exist anymore or were was Murdoch and Fox like a fairly normal subject to report on these days? I mean, I hope that doesn't exist anymore. I'm told it doesn't exist
0: anymore. You know, um, I've never been followed by PIs as far as as I know. Bowdiddle's oh. not on your tail, so. <laughs> Bo Didel, Not on my. Not that I know of. If he's really good, I shouldn't know though. He's right? Not, I heard he's gotten better. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think I'd notice Bowdiddle though if he were on my tail. He's yeah, like I think one he person I would notice. But um, <laughs> look, they are like among the fiercest. Uh, communication shops in the business right They're they've been they were they were sort of forged in battle right uh roger kind of in a sly way was declaring war on the rest of the press We're fair and balanced i.e you're not so uh and the press shop continues in that tradition of like a very uh aggressive defense of the network um and uh you know very much on whatever is said about it very like it really follows every word, um, that shop. But at the same time, I've had a, been able to work with that shop well for for a long time. So, uh, you know, but I would definitely
1: say they are the fiercest public relations shop in media. Without a doubt. My last question, you have spoken about how uncanny the similarities between the show Succession and the actual Murdoch family uh, are. What about succession makes you think that they have some sort of insider knowledge about how the Murdoch family operates?
0: Well, some of it I can't. Some of it, the be, the most fun thing I can't quite share because there are just a couple things that we heard about in our reporting that we couldn't quite firm up. That there are sort of exaggerated versions of it in the show, which tells me that they at least. Where there was a re- some reporting that goes was into it that the, script, the bore on the floor scene. <laughs> no, no. But you know, the other thing is, and I think we did mention this. It had been in one story years ago, but a story that doesn't Google up easily, and we had more detail on it. But this, um, there was a family counseling session, right? And in the show, mm-hmm. that the, there's this big family. Th- I think it's in the first season. The family goes into counseling, and right. and and I think. I vaguely remember this that the, the sort of the outsiders, this, the spouses of a couple of the family members, are sort of in the mix and causing trouble, and we under, we were hearing some similar versions about a counseling session uh, back in the day. So that was something they seemed to know about um now again maybe they saw the same there's the, we hadn't even noticed it until we, we we learned that and then i saw that they would been re- referenced in something but a long time ago so i don't know it just seemed like they really they have some sort of mole i mean look at the opening scene of the show compared to the opening scene of our of our series right like that was not no the, the extent of rupert's injuries was not known uh we didn't nobody we didn't hadn't heard that until we started reporting so They knew, obviously, something serious had happened,
1: right? Do you think uh, Rupert watches Succession?
0: I think that I've been told... No, no, no. I think I hear that from about all of them, but I don't believe it. I mean, I just don't... There's no
1: way
0: he hasn't at least peeked in on it, you know? Peeked in on it a little bit. Rupert... The thing that's lost about Rupert is um, he loves the game, you know? I mean, it drives him. It's keeping him... You know, he's probably in better shape than I am, and he's, you know
1: decades older. (laughs) Uh, Jim Rutenberg, the uh, documentary is The Murdoch's Empire of Influence. It is now airing Sundays at 9 p.m. on CNN. Thank you so much for joining me. All right. Thanks for having me. That was fun. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Interview. Please subscribe to The Interview on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and check out coverage of my conversation with Jim Rutenberg on MediaEye.com.